Welcome to Simply Christ. My name is Mark Shepard. Glad you're here. Want to welcome you. Welcome our new subscribers. Yes, 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 I know. I know. I am behind, way behind on some of my podcasts. That's because I have been traveling. I was overseas and had some uh, long time traveling, tried to pull over in some areas and try to do some podcasts, but it was kind of difficult to do it. So please forgive me for being a little bit out of it on that. But uh I really experienced some fantastic things. If you didn't know, I was in I was in France. I spent uh, about a month in France, and I was spent some of that time at the Ganagobi Monastery. I want you to check out my YouTube channel, Simply Christ. Uh, it's on YouTube. Uh, you will find a video where I visit the Ganagobi Monastery, and you can see some really neat th- neat things. The monastery was built, I think, around the 11th century. I think I said at one time it was in the video that was the 12th century. It's actually earlier than that. And they have found some old Roman mosaics in that area. It was just a fantastic opportunity to be there. It's on top of a plateau there north of Marseille, about 100 kilometers. Amazing experience. You don't have to be Catholic to go to any place like this. You can just go there and enjoy the solitude, the quietness. Um, it was It's living in a monastery. You don't live with the monks. No, it's nothing like that. But you have your own area, which you follow the rules there that they have when there's a lot of silence. And they ask that you go to one of their offices, they call, they're, they're called. And it's very neat to go. I mean, you're it's sitting in a church that was built a thousand years ago. I mean, talk about neat. And then... Uh, exploring the plateau on top of that area, I found, well, not that I found, it was there, okay? I'm not the only one that's been there. But there's an old um, village, an old town with an old fort stretching from one side, maybe about three, four hundred yards, maybe two, three, four hundred yards, something like that. And behind that is a town that was abandoned in the plague around 1400. From what I've been told, this town was built maybe even in the 4th, 3rd century, something like that. In the year 1400, it was abandoned because of the plague and never returned. And you talk about an eerie experience. That was strange. I had a really weird situation happen to me. I was flying my drone and I could, my camera would hardly work when I was flying there. The drone flew neat, you know, it, was, it flew fine. But the video, it was just impossible to get any good video. I found some video I was able to, to put together, but it, the camera would start messing up. It was just a really weird experience up there, and it happened several times, but every time I'd come down off the area, it would work fine. I don't know. It was weird. I'm not out there suggesting there was anything bizarre or spooky or some ghost was trying to make it go. Okay, nothing like that, but it was different. That was to say the least, so check out that video. Today, we are going to be talking about Christian mysticism. And should we be afraid of it? Should Christians be afraid of Christian mysticism? And I know many people are afraid of anything that says the word mystic. And I can understand that because me too. It it really, it sends a red flag to me. Everyone seems to be a mystic today. Have you noticed that? If you go on the internet, you find people there, I'm a mystic. And they even have it on their website, poet, uh, you know, scientist, uh, spiritual leader, mystic. And it's, I'll be honest with you, it doesn't sit well with me because it's, it's, it's kind of arrogant. It sounds very prideful to start giving ourselves titles as if we're above somebody else. That That's not what we're called to be. There's a lack of humility. And if 
If I have to do that and say that, then maybe I'm not being a mystic as to really how it's described that as God describes it. So we're going to be looking at mysticism and what is it? And again, if you have a red flag that's thrown in, and if you're, you're one that says, oh, there's no such thing as Christian mysticism, or there's no such thing as a mystic, it's a bunch of baloney or hooey, hear me out, because I think, first of all, I will agree with you that many of the things that we see being called mysticism have nothing to do with mysticism. It all has to do with a lot of different beliefs that are all rolled into one. Uh, you know, I've run across people who call themselves empath mystics, and it always seems to be a, a, a genre of people that are doing this. And I'm not trying to be judgmental. Please don't misunderstand me on that. But again, it just doesn't sit well with me when someone goes around wearing a – giving themselves a, a a spiritual rank of being a mystic as if they've – I've reached a certain level of understanding now, and I am kind of a special person because I'm a mystic now. Then that's kind of what's thrown out. But I think what you will find is that when we look at it and we see what it really means, we shouldn't be afraid of it. So hear me out on this. So what is mysticism? Is it real? Well, let's define it. A mystic, if we want to call it, let's, I'm just going to use the word mystic here, okay? Before I get the definition, let's, let's say this right off the bat. You're not going to find the word mystic in the New Testament. It's just not there. But it doesn't mean that the ideas don't exist. I mean, we don't find the word rapture in there, do we? But many people talk about the rapture all the time. In fact, it seems that that's all people talk about lately, doesn't it, is the rapture, the rapture, the rapture. And it's like, you know, and if you believe in the rapture, fine. But the Christian life is more than about end times, okay? It's about living the life that Christ wants us to live. It's living that spiritual life. And that is what it really comes down to when we understand what mysticism is. A mystic, if you want to call it a mystic, is just someone who explores and seeks to understand the mysteries of Christ. Yes, folks, there are mysteries of Christ. We're going to look at some words, some passages of Scripture, some things that we're going to find here that I think you're going to find very interesting when we start breaking them down and supporting the claim of what we call mysticism. This is not for some super gifted spiritual captain, you know, here I am, Captain Mystic or Captain Spiritual. And, you know, here I am, I'm above all and I hold a special seat. And, uh, you know, I'm a little bit different than anybody. And, you know, I, I'm a little bit off. I'm a little bit strange. So therefore, I must be a mystic. That's what it is. No, it just means that maybe you're a little bit different, a little bit off. It doesn't mean that you're a mystic, okay? A mystic, there is no such thing as a mystic in how people define it. What there is, is mystics in the sense of anyone who searches and explores and seeks to understand the mysteries of Christ is a mystic, which means you can be one. Anybody can be one. Anybody who wants to explore those things, the deep spiritual things, and now I'm talking about spiritual. I'm not talking about searching it for it in terms of the intellectual. Break that down. There's intellectualism. There's spiritual living. The intellectual-driven person is the person who seeks to understand God from just an intellectual way. But the problem with that is you're only limited by your IQ. 
That means lower IQ'd people cannot know God as well as the higher IQ'd people, right? That's nonsense. But the spiritual person is open to anybody, anybody who wants to search and find God can find them and explore him in the deepest way possible. And it doesn't matter how smart or how little smarts you've got. It just matters about how deep you want to explore that realm. That's what's fantastic about it. So what is mysticism in terms of exploring the mysteries of Christ? Well, there are several, there are mysteries of Christ. And let's break this down as to, uh, let's look at this in terms of going on a hike. Let's say you're going on a hike. I went to a hike. I used to go hiking all the time in the um, in the um, uh, in Big Bend National Park. I've been to Grand Canyon, different places like that. But even in this one sense where I went on this hike in this monastery, there is what we call the trailhead. Okay, and along the trail, there the trailhead is the beginning, and then there is the trail itself where you go along and you see things. And as you go along, you explore those things. So let's let's look at this mysticism, if we're going to use that word, because that's what it's titled today, okay? But look at it in the sense of just spiritual living and spiritual life. Is looking at this in the sense of a trailhead, the mystery of the way. That's the first one. There is the mystery of the way. And we find that in Ephesians chapter 3. In verses 3 through 5, in the Aramaic scriptures is where I'm reading it from. And Paul says, that by revelation unto me was made known the mystery. Now, he talks past sense here, right? Was made known the mystery as to what I wrote unto you before in a few words. So that according to that, to what you are able when you read, you are understanding my knowledge that is in the mystery of the anointed one, that which in other generations wasn't made known to the sons of men as that which is now revealed unto his holy sent ones and unto his prophets by the Spirit. So, again, who's it revealed by? By the Spirit, not by their intellectualism. You know, you don't have to have a doctorate in theology to be a Christian, okay? You don't have to be have a doctorate in theology to know the incredible depths of the spiritual life, because it's not found in the intellectual pursuit. It's found in the spiritual pursuit. And that is all mysticism is. Mysticism is understanding those mysteries of the way. Now, or mysteries of the way. Wait a minute now. Didn't we talk about these mysteries have already been revealed? Yes. But look at about it in the, in the sense and the terms of going on this hike. And when I was at the Ganagobi Monastery, I started off on this hike and going on this trail. I went to the trailhead and started. I now knew the way, right? Jesus talks about this. He tells his disciples, you know the way where I'm going. You know the way. You know the place where I'm going. You know how to get there. They knew the way, did they? That's right. They knew the way. And we all know the way. So we can know the way. But if I'm going on a hike somewhere and I go to the trailhead and I find the trailhead, I now know the way. Do I turn back and go back to my, to my car and go home? Of course not. Nobody goes to a trailhead. What do they do? They go to the trailhead and they continue on the trail. Why? 
because they are wanting to go, which is the second step, the mysteries along the way. The first one was knowing the way, the trailhead. We know how to get there. We prepare ourselves for it because at the beginning of each trailhead, that will say something like, this trail will take you to, I don't know, Canyon Gap, you know, 20 miles. You have a 20-mile trek ahead of you. So you know you have a 20-mile trek ahead of you. You know it's coming your way. A long hike, you will need certain provisions, correct? You'll need the same thing. You know the way here the mystery of the way that's been revealed. But you're going to need the spirit to go along this way. You don't go to the trailhead and stay. You're going to go start taking the first step along the way. That is what the second one is, which is the mysteries along the way. We know of the way, but now comes the mysteries along the way. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16. I have not ceased to give thanks concerning your persons and to remember you in my prayers, that in the God of our Lord Yeshua, the Anointed One, the Father of glory, might give unto you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Remember, Jesus is talking, or, or Paul is writing here, rather, to Christians. They're people who are already Christians. He tells them, giving you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation through his knowledge and illuminate the eyes of your hearts so that you will know what the hope of his calling is and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the holy ones. The inheritance, the things that what Paul is saying in this scripture is that he is praying for them that the spirit will give us wisdom and revelation. There are mysteries along the way. We reveal if, if we have a things that we don't know when they're they if we don't know them they're mysteries they're revealed to us right they're no longer mysteries that is what Paul is given to us these mysteries he's telling us that the, the these these mysteries are what we should be experiencing so let's go back to this to this trailhead so I go along the trailhead and I start walking and when I started walking I started noticing kind of an enchanted forest look to this place it was really neat and. I would come up to certain areas, and on the right, there was a really neat view that I had never seen before, so I stopped and took it in. And then I started exploring along the way and finding all kinds of different things along the way. And then, when I got to along a certain point, I found something that was indescribable, and that was that old town that was abandoned, and that fortress wall that is still up there, it's crumbled. And I was able to go in. Now, would I have found that if I would have just gone to the trailhead and gone home? Of course not. The mysteries that we don't know along the way. We may get glimpses of them and we know that there's something there, but we don't experience it until we see it. Just like a person who goes on a hike in the Grand Canyon. The person goes along on, on this hike in the Grand Canyon. They're, they're going, they know there's going to be wonderful sights to see, and they're going to see long distances and vast sights. But it's not until you get there that you experience it and you get the full knowledge, the full depth of it. That's the mystery along the way. We find things along the way. When we go through that hike on the Grand Canyon, we see things we never thought possible. We experience them. We, we find rocks. We find plants. We see animals. 
We see strata in the layers of, of, of the canyon. We see sunsets. We see sunrises. We see stars. We see Milky Way. We see things we never thought we'd ever imagine. That's the experience along the way. And what so-called Christian mysticism, end quote, is, is simply discovering and experiencing those mysteries along that path. That's what they are. We should not be afraid of those things. We should embrace them. We should want them. We should want to do them. Which leads me to the next verse, which is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Paul writes and he says, I know this of man, but of in the body... Uh, And I know this son of man, but if in a body, and if not a body, I don't know. God, he knows, who was snatched away into paradise and who heard words and are un- who, which are unspeakable, that which are not permitted for a son of man to speak them. He's taken away into paradise is what he's talking about here. So many people think this may have been Paul himself. Other people say it may not have been. It's beside the point, but we have an individual here who is... Don't even know if he was in the body or out of the body, but he was taken to this level of paradise. He was taken to this level of, 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 I don't know what you want to call it, ecstasy or whatever. But he was taken into onto a spiritual journey where he was given things and shown things that were indescribable. He was an individual who was along the way experiencing those things. And that's kind of interesting. How many of us are willing to accept the fact that we may have to, on our spiritual journey, do those things? See, many people, many Christians I know are even afraid to do that. They say, well, that's what happened a long time ago. That's what people back then did. Yeah, that's what they did, but it's for today. This idea that we have that people experienced a spiritual realm in magnificent ways, and then there came this big book and it dropped on top of us, and then it all departed and now we've got this book to study. That's the result of a person who search, searches for God strictly, strictly, searches for God strictly intellectually and not spiritually. It of a spiritual decision. Those are the things we're going to have to search for. It's a very biblical concept. It's there. Search for them. So it leads me to the third thing: is the depth of the way. The only way we can experience the, the joys along the way, the mysteries along the way, to have them revealed to us is if we are willing to search for them. Many people are not willing to search for them, or they search for them through Bible study. Don't get me wrong. Bible study is good. Yes, do study your Bibles. Continue to study your Bibles. I'm not saying you don't. But if you think you're going to find God strictly by memorizing things and knowing things and concepts and ideas, you won't because it's a personal relationship. It's of a spiritual nature. That's what we read about in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 4, wasn't it? This man, whether it be Paul or whomever, they didn't get it through Bible study. They got it by spending time in communion with God. We've talked about this in the past, about hearing God's voice. Those individuals that have things revealed to them are the ones who spend time diligently seeking them. We shouldn't be surprised. The writer says, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
and diligently seeking him means looking for him in all aspects of our life, listening to him, hearing him, talking to him. So why is it then that certain individuals seem to have a closeness with God more than others? It's not because they're spiritual supermen or spiritual superwomen. It's just simply because they spend time with God. Look at Sundar Singh, some of the books that we have on our uh, YouTube channel. How did he get to be closer to God? How did he know these things? Why did these things happen to him? He spent a lot of time with God. His life was centered around those things. He searched for them. He put everything he had of his being into that. He listened to God, and it wasn't some, you know, five-second prayer before a meal. And then we wonder why God doesn't reveal things to us. It's because we don't seek them. We don't listen for them. We don't, we don't search for them. We expect them just to kind of be driving down the road one day and pop-up comes into our head and we're taken out. Now, has that happened? I'm sure it has happened to some people. There's no doubt. But the vast majority of people... We have to seek for God. God uses and does things in how he wants them to, how he wants to. But he is requiring that you and I search for things and look for things. We have to seek for God. The level of our reward is going to be based upon the level and the amount that we put into it. We cannot accept or expect rather to have God reveal something to us if we're not willing to. To look for it. So those things, the, the mystery of this way, back to our trailhead, or back to our trail example. We know the trailway. We know the way of the trail. The question is, is not whether we know the way of the trail. And, and it really is kind of a question. I guess I should go back and say it really is because many people who are in church today are searching for God in different ways that are not in a spiritual sense. It's more intellectually driven. It's not as a spiritual drive, drive. Now, it doesn't mean that intellectualism is not important. Of course it can. But if we limit it to that, what we're saying is the person who has a lower IQ cannot get to know God as much as the person with the higher IQ. Why? Because, hey, this person went to college and, you know, this individual here, they have a doctorate in theology. They know God more than what the person who's the lay person. How many times have we seen that? Well, this person's pastor. They've got a pastor. They're, they've got this. Why? Well, well, that's because they, they, they went to school and they studied these things. Studying doesn't mean anything. I mean, look at what the, you know, we talked about this on podcasts before. I don't want to get too much into this because it just turned into a pet peeve of mine because I see it so often is that those individuals who, you know, they've got their doctorate in, in theology, they're, you know, they, you name it, they have it. But they're seen as these spiritual supermen, and, and they're not any more spiritual than anybody else. In fact, you know that person that is in the back pew that doesn't say much of anything, and they're very quiet, they're very kind, they're very humble, and they just, you know, they graduated maybe with the seventh or eighth grade education. They can read, but they're always in time with God. I want to hear from that person. That's who I want to hear from because they're the ones, not, not that they're noble because they don't have any education. It's because they're spending time with God. They're searching for him spiritually. That's why. 
And there are many intellectual people who are doing that as well. But the intellectual person and the spiritual person are not necessarily two of the same. So if we're going to search for God, we have got to look at our scriptures as this journey as a spiritual adventure. And it starts off with the trailhead and the first trail, because remember, you sometimes you're going to come to that trail and you're going to find different paths. Take the path of the spiritual path. Take that one. That's the one that we're called to take. So we just on the spiritual way, we explore that mysteries along the way. We explore those things. We see those things along the way. We get to experience them and we keep searching for them. Keep doing those things. Keep searching for those and keep looking for those and keep searching to see if those things are being revealed to you. Keep looking for those. Those are so crucial. That is what mysticism is. So we can strip away the wording. We can strip away mystics and mysticism and all this. But the idea is there. And it's just about spiritual living. So follow God. Take that adventure. Take that way. Explore it. And we will talk with you on the next podcast. Thank you.